Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. There's a lot of messy brickwork underneath. Well, I just want to give you the simple steps that David goes through in order to get this right. And, uh, and I'll, I'll go through these quickly. The first one is that he admits that something has gone wrong. He admits that he did something wrong. The second thing that he does is he confesses. I'm sorry, he believes for something better. He believes in the grace of God. You see, if we just admit that we've done something wrong, then we would be tempted to do what many people do, and that is to punish ourselves for what we've done. Now, often there are consequences for our actions that we have to live through and we have to go through. That's just life. But God forgives and we need to quickly believe for something better because the more we focus on what we've done wrong, the more likely we are to repeat it. In fact, we're able to admit what we've done wrong, believe that God is for us and not against us and that He will forgive us and be quick to forgive us. And then we can have a different confession. And we see all David do all these things um, that we'll look at in the reflection time. And then we need to declare something different over our lives. We need to declare a better future. And we get a front row seat to this in Psalm 51 because David actually goes through these steps right after Nathan has exposed him. And he goes through, he admits what he did wrong. He believes for something better. He confesses something better. And then he begins to declare his future. Let me give you a couple of examples. Imagine this. I hate being single. I'm lonely. So much of the time I hate coming to church Because while I know there are plenty of people like me, all I can see are the happy families. That's admit. I want a spouse so much. But in the meantime, I want to be the most secure, God-loving, effective person in this darn church. I'd be lying to say I don't want a spouse. So yes, I want one. And yes, I'm believing for one. But I also want to live my life in the waiting. That's believe. My confession is then changed from I'm lonely and I hate coming to church to I'm lonely, but there is purpose for me right now. And I'm on the lookout. It will not pass me by. Someone get that person, christiandating.com, no, whatever God wants. And so by my actions and my words, I am declaring the internal change. We've gone from playing happy people on a Sunday to being real and admitting what's going on. No more facade, but believing for something better and confessing and declaring something better. Here's another example. Um, in the, you know, Patricia Werricoon, she broke down all the ice for us last week. So let's go here. I cannot stop watching porn. I'm at the point where other interaction no longer satisfies me. And I know that's messed up. I don't actually enjoy watching it anymore. That's admission. That's the admitting. I'm believing to be free of it, that my life is no longer measured as the time between viewing. My confession is that my life is full, that I am whole, that my interactions are healthy and satisfying. My declaration is the external expression of that confession. I'm telling those I can trust about what I'm believing for. I'm asking for help and allowing myself to be accountable. No more facade. Admit, believe, confess and declare. And you know what? That also stands for, it goes for everyone who hasn't yet made Jesus, done what we talked about 
and followed Jesus, decided to follow Jesus. It's simply admitting, hey, I'm a sinner. It's believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and rose again. It's confessing, Lord, I put my trust in You. And it's declaring, I have an eternal hope and future. It's simply A, B, C, D. And if you wanna put your trust in Jesus today, I invite you to do that. So what we do in the chapel service is that we have a five minute reflection time. And I wanna point you to something today. Uh, to Psalm 51, Um, Psalm 51, Katie, on the next slide after that one, is where um, this is the steps that David followed. So maybe you don't feel like talking today. That's fine. Whoever doesn't feel like talking sometimes on Sundays and you're really hoping that you sit in a table with no people. Um, I didn't mean to do that today. Just no one joined me. Um, So you might like to just go through these steps from Psalm 51 and have a look and see where you can see the admit, believe, confess and declare. Or maybe you want to discuss with each other what you got out of today. What's a question that arises from that passage? Maybe you want to confess to someone what facade you're living with today. That'd be a great day to do that. And um, if you're sitting with someone that you don't think would have grace, just change tables. Okay, Um, well, we'll take a few minutes now and then um, Pastor Andrew will come and take us forward. Everyone feeling better after confessing their deepest, darkest sins to people they just met on their table? No? All right, cool. We have them. We have them. And that's all right if you don't. It's all right if you do. Um, jumping right into it. I, um, I've been thinking about Nick Kyrgios a fair bit lately. Yeah. Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> We've got a Kyrgios fan, King Kyrgios. For those of you who are unaware, Nick Kyrgios is an Australian tennis player. He's playing in the Wimbledon final tonight. And in my opinion, he's a bit of a goose. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Hey, don't woo that. Don't woo that. This is being podcasted over the internet. Maybe I should say the word galoot because Pastor Bron used that. I haven't heard the word galoot since 1990-something, um, but it seems like a bit of a safer word than goose. I don't know. Anyway, um, Nick Kyrgios, he is an incredibly talented tennis player. Um, he's entertaining, but he also never grew out of that like two-year-old tantrum phase, and it's great entertainment to watch. You don't have to be a sports fan, a tennis fan, to watch Nick Kyrgios or to know about him. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, Phoebe and I were at um, Olympic Park watching the Australian Open, and he came on in the fourth round, and he just won the crowd over. Even when they were being loud and obnoxious, he would be trying, starting to serve, and you just go, oi, shush to the crowd and like no one does that in tennis but he does that and he carries on and he behaves poorly and whatever else he's got quite the highlight reel of tantrums if you want to YouTube that but anyway sometimes I just don't know why people love him like Lockie Bunnell I don't know why I'm on the fence I don't know why but I'm compelled to watch him because he's interesting and I was thinking about it this week why do we love this guy why do we only because I'm Australian will I watch him and he gets up there and he just throws all these tantrums and it was I think it's because he's authentic And he doesn't care what people think and he admits that he's a bit of a goose and he admits that he does the wrong thing and he breaks social convention and he just doesn't care. And I feel like... I feel like King David is a little bit, little bit like that as well, where he makes so many mistakes and it, 
through all his life, he just writes about it publicly, he speaks about it publicly and goes, yeah, I, I stuffed up. He, he gets into this rhythm of confession, confessing his sins so that he gets healed spiritually and he allows God to move in his life. And I, I feel like Nick Kyrgios just wipes these, these, not sins, I don't want to call them sins, but these misdemeanours off him and just... Just he's like, okay, all right, I'm like this. I'm a, I'm a bad boy of tennis. I'm a whinger. I'm a complainer. But I'm not going to stop that. And so I feel like King David and the way he was, was able to influence people is, is similar to the way that Nick Kyrgios does that as well. We're engaged to like Nick Kyrgios for whatever reason. Just like Pastor Brom was saying, we're engaged to like King David, even though he, out of all the people in the Bible, probably had the biggest rap sheet of sins. Like he, he ticks a lot of boxes of sins you shouldn't commit. The big ones, the little ones, all of the above. And so I love the fact that a man who has such a rap sheet has an amazing, amazing resume of leadership and devotion to God that we still study today. And I love the fact that the prophet Nathan goes to the king and pulls him up with a, prof- with a prophecy. And this is the king who has ordered people to be killed by doing little things like um, like professing against his rulership. And so King David, if that was a bad day when the prophet Nathan went to him, he may have said, all right, someone kill him. But Nathan, operating in God's spirit, goes forward to King David and changes his life forever. So I love the fact that Pastor Bron used this parable. So here's, I want to pick out a few things that I've learned from this parable. Number one, there is nothing more empowering than godly people giving godly advice. There's nothing more empowering than godly people giving godly advice. If you have a godly person giving advice, it's probably godly advice. There's all these scriptures about testing the prophecies and testing the words of God from people who give it to us. But if you've got someone who's a a prophetic Uh, has a prophetic gifting and is operating in that and is living a life devoted to God, chances are it's probably correct. Even if it isn't something that you want to hear, like King David heard from Nathan all those years ago, it's probably right. A couple of years ago, a bit over a decade ago, I was sitting uh, in Connect Group. We were going through a study um, and I had Phoebe on one side. We were dating, engaged. I can't remember at the time, but we're madly in love. And, and I had a, another a friend uh, next to me on the lounge, and she, was a, uh, she still has a really prophetic, really strong prophetic gifting. And our Connect Group leader was just talking through this book that we were studying at the time, and she just leans over out of nowhere and says, God told me, Andrew, that you need to enrol in Bible college. And I went... All right, cool, bit rude, the Connect Group leader's talking. But anyway, and she just had this look in her eye like it was, it was spiritual and it, the timing was weird and the, the delivery was a bit weird too. It wasn't conventional, a little bit rude, but that's okay. My spirit was in tune and it was listening and I knew it was from God because this feeling of warmth in my spirit just came over me 
And at that time, I was just going for a new job. Um, I was asking a few big questions. Uh, I just, I think I just asked um, Phoebe to marry me. So we were leading into that. And then she said, go to Bible college. And it wasn't great timing, but I knew it was God. And, so, and I knew that because she was a godly person and it was godly advice, it was correct and it changed the course of my life forever. And it married up with a lot of other prophecies I'd had from other people over the years about what God wanted to do in my life, just like uh, the prophecies that King David had in his life. Advice, good or bad, even if it's hard to swallow, is always good. Galatians 5.24, going on into chapter 6, verse 5. A little bit messy, but come with me here. Galatians 5.24, 6 to 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. When we have godly people around us, prophetic or not, when there's good, solid community where we have the right to speak into other people's lives, like the prophet Nathan did to King David, we are better off for it. Righteousness should be a common goal for all of us individually. And as Christians, we should be helping each other in their own pursuit of righteousness. Now, that isn't always calling out sin as you see it. Be tactful about that. Don't be weird. Just be tactful and allow God to prompt you if you feel like you need to call someone out or encourage them um, in an area where they need to be encouraged. The other thing I, I picked out of this parable is that God intervenes when necessary. If you flicker through a few pages prior to, to Samuel chapter 12, um, a couple of pages in the ESV, apparently that's the best uh, version, if you ask Pastor Brom. Um, it was only a short time before the prophet Nathan gave this warning to David that the Davidic covenant was given. So five chapters earlier, God says to David, I'm going to build a royal priesthood and a royal kingdom through your bloodline, and that is going to be Jesus. He didn't say Jesus, but that's what he was alluding to in that covenant, and God promises that. He promises that to David, and David had already done all this bad stuff, but because David was devoted to God, God still used him. And then a couple of chapters later, it was like God just had this by-the-way moment. You know how you have that? You have a conversation, and then you, you, you're having something that's good, you're saying something that's good, and then you go, oh, by the way, there's this bad stuff that we need to address before we fulfil the good stuff. And so five chapters later in 2 Samuel, uh, God uses Nathan to pull him up. And that matches up really well with the covenant that God gives. But God gives the big covenant 
the promise of blessing first before he deals with that sin a couple of chapters later. And God intervenes here because he wanted to promise goodness, but he needed to address wickedness in David. And that was just as important because while sin is always forgiven under the blood of Jesus, we can still move, we still have to move forward and confess it so that we can move within the blessings of God. Um, and bad stuff still happened. Like we read on and David loses newborns. Um, David has people trying to kill him. So it's not, it's not all good times for David, but he knows that if he holds on to the good stuff that God promises him and deals with the bad stuff that God's called out in him, the good stuff will happen, and it does. And, the, and you see that in the generations to come where there's so much godly blessing upon his sons and his grandchildren, and then eventually generations on, Jesus comes, and he is from the family of David. Psalm 32, 1-6 to says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. This is David writing this psalm. We, we get a picture of his heart here. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That's a pretty dark picture of that is painting where if you don't confess your sins, your spirit will waste away. That's what he's trying to paint you. That's how serious sin is. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. He took away the guilt. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. So David realised that the weight of sin can only be removed through confession. Confession lifts that weight of sin, doesn't change the sin, doesn't change the severity of it, doesn't change the ongoing consequence of the sin, but it removes the guilt. And so he's able to operate um, under, through confession, he's able to operate um, a godly life through devotion to God, knowing full well that he is a sinner, but without that holding him back. And so he's able to testify to the goodness of God because he's able to confess his sins. The other thing I learned through this is if you love the Lord, he'll keep coming at you. God will keep pursuing you as long as you pursue him. So time and time again, we see people in our lives starting to slip into sin and then they think, well, I've done that now. God's not going to forgive me, so I'll start doing other things on a Sunday. I'll stop going to connect group. And then slowly but surely, the faith is lost. Whereas if they stopped at step one and confessed sin, if it's only to God, doesn't have to be to someone else, but if it's only to God where they confess their sins, they can be released from that and realise that the grace of God is on them and that they can keep operating in their life as they were, um, but in the fullness of Christ. So life doesn't get easier for David, but it gets better. It gets harder, 
but he understands the blessing of God as he ends his life. As he, sorry, he didn't end his life. He, as he draws his life to an end. Life isn't nice, but he is whole. And so I, I want to say this this morning, that no matter how big the sin is in your life, in our life, it's not too big for God. No matter how many sins you've committed, it's not too much for God. In fact, there's no ongoing consequence of that sin to your faith if you're confessing. Yes, some decisions in life that are born out of sin will have consequence naturally. That's just part of living in our world. But the guilt that, is, that comes from hard sins can be removed. The shackles can be removed if you confess them. And so the multitude of sins that David committed was far greater than anyone else um, in the Scriptures. And he's, he's the biggest sinner of, an all, sinner of them all. Um, but because he was devoted to God, we see this generational blessing. We see amazing things that God allowed him to do, even in the midst of him committing sin, because he kept coming back to God. And God was there. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants from us. When we go to him, when we commit our lives to prayer and application of the scriptures into our lives, we see that God will move in our life. And so we serve a God who just has blessings in hand that he just wants to hand out. But we often turn away from that and we often allow ourselves to think, well, he may not want to do that because I've done this. I've cancelled myself away from blessings, but I, I've read the scriptures and I don't see that. I see a God who wants to love us, who wants to know us, who wants to be in fellowship with us and who wants to give us the blessings of the kingdom of heaven on earth today if we just devote ourselves to him. All we've got to do is turn to him and let him do that. He loves us. He did before we were born. He will after we leave this earth. He knew us when Jesus died on the cross and he wanted to give us what we need today so that we can live a fulfilled life that glorifies him. That's what he wants. He wants us to glorify him. And so I understand that this morning we have gone um, over some heavy stuff. And it's a bit different from last Sunday, a different kind of heavy, wasn't it, with Dr. Patricia Wirakun? We've changed the tone a little bit, but it's, it's heavy stuff. And so we're going to have um, people at the front to, to pray after announcements. Uh, if you feel like you want to pray over something, you don't have to confess your sins to anyone here in the room. But I'd encourage you, if there's something that's just not sitting right in your spirit, to confess it to God today. Um, and allow us to pray over you and to, to release you from that. Spiritual bondage can be released in an instant when we hand it to God. All right, I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you so much that you release us from all sin. There's no sin that is too big for you, no amount of sins that's too many for you. Father, we just thank you that it's already taken care of on the cross. We thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, our sins that weren't committed yet were looked after. And we just thank you that we have access to you. We thank you that you are here in this room right now.
tapping on hearts and souls, going, let me in, let me in. So, Father, just thank you that even though we're all sinners, you let us, uh, we, we, if we let you in, you reside in us and you can just lift us out of our sinfulness just with one prayer, just with one confession. So, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you'll convict us, that you'll change us. Thank you that you've forgiven us, but we ask for forgiveness for those sins that are great or small, habitual or new, whatever it might be. Lord, we just ask that you will release us from the weight of that, like David wrote in the Psalms. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.